from the parking lot. To the tunnel. Check it out. Have fun. Unleash. Let's go. To the 50-yard line. On the field. This is your field pass with DCI's Dan Potter. Welcome to a special Drum Corps International Field Pass podcast. I'm Dan Potter with DCI's Jeff Griffith and Michael Boo, and we're reviewing each of the tracks from the 2019 Drum Corps International CD and audio releases, both online and, of course, you can purchase the CDs in the DCI online store. Uh, the downloads, by the way, at marchingmusicdownloads.com, Apple, iTunes, and Amazon. What we're doing with these podcasts is, uh, in order to make them kind of digestible, uh, one at a time is we're picking uh, cores from each of the four CDs in this set and uh, reviewing them. So one core from each CD each time, and we're doing Music City, Madison Scouts, The Crossmen, and Cavaliers in this podcast. And we start with Music City, came in 23rd in 2019, their show of mice and music. of Robert W. Smith in this show. Yes, the very first two pieces, City of Brass and Tales on the Town, were originals by Robert W. Smith. And uh, then we got some stuff that we had been exposed to before. Well, not not necessarily uh, the individual piece, but Plymouth Holdown by Paul Hart was from the Concerto for Guitar and Jazz Orchestra. Uh, Paul Hart being the same person who wrote Madison Scott's Remembrance in 2005, and they also brought it back for their own alumni core. And then in 1988, the year they won uh, with the opener of Concerto for Guitar and Jazz Orchestra by Paul Hart. And then, of course, everybody knows John Lennon's Imagine. But not everybody knows Robert W. Smith's arrangement of John Lennon, which, guys, I thought was spectacular. It. That was the first thing I noted um, when I was listening to this show. The soloists, and I guess the duet, if you will, it's just beautiful. I, I loved it. it. It's it didn't feel like the rest of the show. Similarly, how last year they ended the show that uh, the Hell on Wheels, uh, the train show, a lot of people called it that. The they ended it with Hallelujah, and again, it felt like a very like different feel to close the show. And I loved, as you said, the arrangement of Imagine this year. Similar feel to me in terms of the type of closer, just as beautiful. Michael, and, I would guess I, I, I would guess if you had to characterize the feel of the first four fifths of the show, <laughs> yes, there are mice in there and they're telling a story about my, the mice, country mice going to the city and vice versa. But it's Americana, isn't it? It is Americana. It's it's not babe for mice. Right. It 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 was more like almost like what Bluecoats did their parade across the America show. It, it was almost in that sense that uh, I, I don't know how they took mice and made it, as you pointed out, Americana. And frankly, I never I never connected with that Americana theme until you just mentioned it right now. Absolutely. But that did I. Yeah. What, uh, how do you respond to that, Jeff, when, when you hear that? 
Does that give I, you a different impression of the show? It does, because I would have, I wouldn't have called the show like cheesy or or simplistic, but it's definitely lighthearted and playful, similarly to how 2018 was for them. Well, being that it, you know, it would be okay to call it cheesy, being that it was mice, but well, <laughs> sure. And the cheese, the cheese on the rifles and whatnot. So it had some cheese to it, but it didn't necessarily. I wouldn't call it hokey. I wouldn't call it, you know. Um, anything of that sort, but lighthearted, playful, um, uh, kind of charming like Seattle Cascades as we mentioned in the last episode, but not the same kind of charming. Like, like I guess lighthearted is really the term I keep going back to, but that, that extra layer does make it feel a little more intellectual. Maybe it, maybe it didn't come across to me personally, but now that you mentioned that, I see that as more of a layer to the message they're trying to portray. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not freaked out, but I'm kind of, uh, well, it, go it ahead and say real. it, Michael. You're, you you can't believe that I had an insight that was so profound. But that's what it is. You're go just off. shocked. Go off. Well, I wasn't going to put it quite that nicely, but <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm really I, I'm really quite uh, flabbergasted because that that single word Americana gives me a whole other impression in reflecting upon the show, which I never picked up on during the season. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think because I was always looking to see what are the mice going to do next. Exactly. Yeah, it felt, I, I, it felt and maybe of, that's something that occurs to you when you listen to this show as opposed to watching it. Sure. It, it, I, I'm just overwhelmed that that single word gives me an entirely new perspective on a show that I thought I knew. Jeff Griffith, you've been biting your tongue here for about two minutes. Just a small thing. I, Music City to me has felt like what for maybe three or four years the Academy was trying to do, which was that that mm-hmm. um, you know, very with accessible, the, very with the uh, hair show. Exactly. That's H- the H-A-R-E show. That show felt this like this to me. And that yeah, show had some deeper meanings to it. And this one, I never made those connections. Um, but it, it felt like by a hair Academy's 2017 show, because like you said, I wasn't when when Music City came on the field, similarly to when the Academy came on the field, I wasn't watching the show for I wasn't trying to think about the concept because it felt it felt kind of like accessible to me. And, and it felt more like Mike, Mike said, I was just watching Mike. So what are the mice going to do next? Similarly to how in 17 with the Academy was all right. What are these rabbits going to do? What's going to happen with the rabbits and the hunters? And it just felt like a simple, entertaining show. But again, I have to say that this this insight Dan has made, I uh, it, it does make me rethink kind of how I watch Music City. I wish I could go back and have seen it live again with that in mind. But um, certainly, you know, re- regardless of how you slice it, I mean, even without thinking of it that way, I still enjoyed it. It was entertaining. It was fun. Um, and the music, as we're talking about here and we've mentioned uh, before at the beginning of this this part of the podcast, very fun selections and Imagine to me was the highlight. From disc number three, the 17th place core in 2019, Madison Scouts, Majestic, the show based on the Majestic Theater in Madison. 
Madison Scouts are an interesting um, piece of this whole top 25 puzzle because I think we'd all sit here and look at Madison Scouts season and say, well, competitively speaking, this wasn't exactly a standout year. Um, but I think generally speaking, um, they really won over the fans. Um, I, I saw a lot of support for this show on social media. I mean, a lot of strong reactions from audiences. They got like three or four standing ovations in Allentown. Um, I think people really enjoyed the pure musical moments the show offered, even if like the competitive success didn't always match that. Um, I think, um, and in a way, you know, we all talk about that's the goal, right? So I think, you know, you look at scores, you look at audience reactions, they both kind of tell different stories. And I think at, at the very least, if the scores weren't there, you know, people were always eating this show up. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people in a way resonated with the fact that it was kind of pure drum corps. You know, I mean, it wasn't that it was completely unamplified and completely, you know, like rigid uniforms. And, and it wasn't it wasn't like a show straight out of the 1970s or 80s, but it it had that throwback feel to it with the uniforms, the music selections, a lot of the arrangements that were um, very Madison Scout. What's interesting is talking to some of their design team heading into 2020, it sounds like what they want to do is kind of push things forward into a new era while still honoring that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, but getting back to 2019, musically speaking, to me, one voice. When I saw their repertoire and one voice by Barry Manilow was on that, I couldn't wait. part of this show it starts around the nine minute mark and it felt like if you watch the show it felt like an encore because there's a salute at the end of the previous movement from the drum major and then one voice kind of brings in this extra ending to it almost kind of it felt arrangement wise a lot like 2011's um empire state of mind arrangement obviously a very different song but it felt kind of similar to it how it, it was it was quiet and, and and lyrical to start and you got this big brassy finish um Different in a lot of ways, but it, it gave me a similar feeling. Um, and that's one of my favorite closes of all time. So therefore, uh, I love this one. So that's my personal take uh, on Madison Scout's show. But uh, Mike, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, uh, Jimmy Alford, Madison Scout's program coordinator, uh, told me in Allentown that the whole season has seemed like a farewell tour of the old Madison Scouts. Mm -hmm. So the music re reflected that and more so reflected that after the fact yeah because when they first introduced the music and it wasn't until after like five minutes after their home show in whitewater was done that they made the announcement that they were going gender inclusive for 2020. it was the next day it, it was it was within it, it seemed like it was within minutes right it, it it seemed to put a whole different spin on the musical production as far, far as being the farewell tour now, uh, I, I want to put out, Jeff, uh, a little thing that a lot of people don't know about the original Chuck Daffier uh, opener of Afterburners. Yeah. It is based entirely, it is written on top of the chord structure of Malaguena, perhaps the most iconic Madison Scouts piece. Without a doubt. 
Now, that's, go, go yeah. back and listen to it and hear, listen to, listen from Aliquina when you listen to Afterburners. I think you might be a little surprised. I would, it's funny that you bring that up because that impact, that initial open opening chord of their show uh, harkens back to 1975 and Slaughter on 10th Avenue. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is almost that loud and had that kind of in-your-face, we're the Madison Scouts, here we are, here's our show kind of moment. And the chorus spread across the entire back of the field like they were in 75. Yep. It's it's this this show has a different impression on my mind the second half of the season knowing that it was the closing of one chapter that it did the first half of the season before I knew that next year's Madison Scouts were going to be we're going to look a little bit different than the Madison Scouts that we've seen ever since 1938 and there were a few weeks in between when that dichotomy I didn't quite know how to balance it. And by the end, I, you know, every, I think everyone accepted it and, uh, okay. It's been nice knowing you. Now introduce yourselves to us again. Can't wait. From talking to staff at audition camps, it sounds like that's exactly what they want to do in 2020. I had one specific musical moment in this show that just, I, a well-executed bass drum run Mm -hmm. just is one of those things that will bring me to my feet. And there is one out of the Bon Iver song going right before Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. There is a bass drum run there that is, it is wonderful. Okay, let's move to disc number two and the 11th place score from 2019, Crossman, their show Valkyrie. So much to say about this show. And they come out showing their brass talents within the first few seconds when they get in that wedge. It's just amazing. mentioned it the the how they come out i will never forget i think i forget which show it was it might have been in atlanta that i was on the sideline for their performance and i just kept asking myself how on earth is this score in 11th place and then you watch yeah. through 10 and you kind of get it but goodness gracious i can't remember an 11th place score that was this entertaining this talented a 
across the board this much just fun to watch for 12 minutes. This show was tons of fun, especially musically. I mean, there was a lot of exciting visual moments, good use of props, uh, great use of breaking the fourth wall. They had the drum major as this, this Queen of the Valkyries character. Um, all great visual moments. But the music to me was just so fun and exciting. It There were moments where I was like, I was getting the same kind of energy as like a downside up, as that kind of just rocking out kind of uh, feel to it. And they had, in the design, they had intent to make this similarly to Phantom Regiment about a, a strong female character concept, which is, you know, what the Valkyrie really stands for. But they, I mean, talking to some designers, they really just wanted this to be a fun show. And it was both. And the moment that really struck me is just the closer. And I know I keep mentioning closers, um, but they kind of bring back themes from uh, Immigrant Song and Ride of the Valkyries and uh, again, have a very impressive people-tonguing moment that, uh, that harkens back to kind of the opener, a similar kind of just, wow, this brass line can play. But there's this nine-second moment, maybe 10 seconds, and they come out of that stomp, stomp, clap thing they're doing, um, that Viking chant kind of thing, and they hit this unison note, and they add on one interval, and then they punch out the full chord, and goodness gracious, I could not help but just lose it whenever I heard that. I still do it. I was in my cubicle today listening to this, and I'm like, let's go when I heard that chord. Just, I love that moment, and then they bring it home. Just pure drum core energy from start to finish. Love this show. Very another example of uh, music that one wouldn't expect, perhaps, to fit the theme. You know, I had I had to research what you know Led Zeppelin immigrant song, where, and I did not know that that actually the original refers to Norse mythology. Robert Plant is singing of war making in Valhalla, so a, a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Who would expect Nine Inch Nails, the Trent Reznor Herc song? Right. Um, <laughs> which deals with the pain of depression. Can, can we pause right there and talk about going into Hurt? And in fact, the transitions between each of these tunes, I would argue that Crossman may have won transitions this year in the way that their show was designed. They had some of the most artistic musical moments existing between the featured tunes here. And, and going into Hurt, I think, is a great example of that. I would argue that there were no transitions in Crossman's show. Uh, okay, but I see. I take your point. Yeah, it, it, it was a continuous arc. Yeah, and what what we typically would think of a transitional phrase 
was just as important as what came before and what came after. It was not a bridge material. It was just as important as, as the source music. Agreed. Which which was which, which was kind of fascinating. And, and, and Jeff, you, you mentioned Lydia Marshall, their drum major. Yeah. You know, I know we're talking audio here, and the only reason I, I paused to, to mention her is that that whole stomp, stomp, clap, if, if it isn't for her buy-in and her enthusiasm, the crowd doesn't come along in that moment. But I every Zion. single time, she got them to come along and be part of the show. Now, uh, Andrew Markworth, who writes who writes the book, told me that that stomp, stomp, clap, which people, I mean, understandably, when, when you hear that, you think of, we will rock you. But that was their version of a Maori haka. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, Viking ritual clapping, which I don't, I haven't found anything that the Vikings ritually clapped much, but they, they wanted that Maori haka effect and they just transferred it over to a um, Viking type type theme. Now, one of the reasons you had mentioned about the transitionary material, and I think one of the reasons that worked is something that Andrew Markworth, the brass arranger, told me, we're always presenting different feelings, but always aggressive in different ways. Hmm. So the Nine Inch Nails ballad was still assertive. Everything the drum major did Everything was very assertive and very oomph, very punch in the gut. What what did you think of the um, the nine person bass trombone section? Oh, that have you ever heard a sound like that before? No, never. But it, it fit perfectly. You know, it, again, it was one of those one of those kind of like like almost like the, the the soundscape of it, like the 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 feeling of that sound texture was just perfect for the kind of energy that we're trying to create I, well, I love I, that sound yeah i didn't know that you could put nine bass trombones on the field in harmony and not end up with mud but it was very clear it was Great. an amazing effect because it was so unexpected instrumentation wise All right, moving to disc one, the fifth place core in 2019, Cavaliers, the wrong side of the tracks, a show that took a lot of uh, motif cues from Gangs of New York. Listen for anything on this audio recording of the Cavaliers. Mike mentioned it. Listen for this brass line. This was—I mean, this is probably the best brass line I've ever heard out of the Cavaliers. The fact that they scored a 95 in fifth place—that—that's that, impressive. This core was outstanding, especially musically speaking. They got—they um, were all, often competing among the top four in brass. As Mike mentioned, they got third.
let's talk a little bit about the music. And hopefully, Michael, you can cue us into a couple of these pieces because I really don't know anything about, for instance, Gorgon by Christopher Rouse. Well, we heard Gorgon at three different times in the show. Gorgon by Christopher Rouse, Rouse, R-O-U-S-E, was written in 1984 and was inspired by the three mythical monsters, one of them, which is uh, Medusa. And if you looked at any of the monsters, any glimpse of their face would turn you into stone. Rouse said of this music, since the time of the ancient Greeks, the Gorgon has become a symbol for any terror too immense and too horrible to be faced. It has thus become an image of sublimated brutality and savagery, perhaps a metaphor for our own private and subconscious monsters. And that encapsulates the entire show. The entire show was incredibly unforgiving. The entire show was about these uh, the road to perdition and the gangster type, uh, although it wasn't a gangster show. Uh, but this, you know, this Great Depression tale of revenge against the mobster who murdered uh, the family. And uh, the, the whole show was vengeance. There was nothing, uh, there was no feminine side to the show. It was all just aggressive. Ironically, the whole idea of the show was about redemption, that people grow up on the wrong sides of the tracks and they try to find themselves and how do they fit in the world. So it was very introspective, but the music was brutal to the nth degree and the more brutal it was, this magnificent third place horn line just captivated us. Well, I mean, you talk about the, the brutality of the music and there's no more like apparent moment for that for, of that for me than in the ballad. There's the, this ballad felt like an ending. And I know I'm not alone in that because I know there were some shows where they finished the ballad and people were announcing like, ladies and gentlemen, the Cavaliers, and they started the closer at awkward moments early in the season. Um, there's this mellophone lick that comes out of this impact chord. It's this it's like rising mellophone, almost like counter melody that just rips you. It just punches you in the gut. And I think that's the perfect moment to describe what Mike's talking about here. Cause I heard that and I just, I, I felt something like visceral when I hear those, those notes come out of that. And it comes back again in the closer right before the final impact chord. like the the musical passage of this show that I'll yeah. remember. That ballad was the cathedral from the Road to Perdition. Bingo, exactly. That was before the recap of Gorgon for the third time. Yes. And some of the neat musical effects. Uh, do you remember the, the trombones doing the Doppler effect as right, the train right. passed by? Right. Well, I noticed this at the very, very end of this track. Uh, as the audience is applauding and as the final chord has died out, you can hear the train mm -hmm. fading away into the distance. And I, I had no idea, and maybe they didn't put that in until the very end of the season, but I had not heard that. And it's 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 haunting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really cool because it's the the ending of that show 
and this is really driven by the percussion i feel like is so just like like ah it just keeps pushing you because the, the percussion is just playing double shots on the on their on their drums just over and over again on the eighth note and it feels yeah, like it's just chugging, chugging chugging down the track and then it soars away and you hear that that horn that into the distance yeah. and that's that's perfect because that the, the percussion there really i feel like makes that horn moment you're talking about just so much more fluid because it's almost like, again, you're hearing the train coming, 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 gone. Jeff Griffith is the content marketing specialist for DCI and Michael Boo is DCI staff writer. We're going to, in our third podcast, take a listen to Gold, Colts, Mandarins, and Carolina Crown. Don't take our word for it. These are amazing CDs and you can download them for yourself uh, on Apple iTunes, Amazon, at marchingmusicdownloads.com or purchase the CDs in the DCI online store. For Jeff Griffith and Michael Boo, I'm Dan Potter. We'll talk to you next time.